Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my good friend and co-host, Nick Kendall. Nick, man, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain. Works, you know, back to the grind. So that's been one thing. But football is back. Even though the Broncos lost, I'm not too upset about it. It's it's freaking preseason. I can't believe some of the people running around with their heads cut off. You know, the sky's falling. <laughs> but, you know, what can you do? We'll talk about that a little bit here. There are definitely some things to worry about. But, you know, if they would have won, it would have still been stuff to worry about. That's just how preseason goes. So excited for football to be back. And it starts to feel like falls in the air as well. You know, it's starting to get a little crisper. The days are getting shorter. And I am getting excited. I am a. I love September, October, November football time. Pumpkin spice lattes. I think I said the same thing last week, but I'm getting excited. <laughs> this is my time of year. It's, it's happening. Football's coming back. I know. I, I used to be a big summer guy because that's when I got to golf, and I still love summer. But definitely fall is becoming my my favorite time. Just like you said, football's back. Gets a little bit cooler out there. It's it's, it's definitely nice right now. So loving it. Loving that we actually get to talk about a Broncos game, even if it didn't go quite like we planned. But anyway, I want to let everybody know, building the Broncos focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the NFL draft, preseason, the upcoming season, practice, everything. With Nick and myself being armchair GMs, we'll bring you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode from scouting reports, player values, scheme and personnel fits, and of course, a little general football-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of 24-7 Sports and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without your listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time and go to iTunes or Spreaker to rate and subscribe and let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Now, before we get to anything football related, we want to also say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. There's 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All right, so we have some actual football that's been played on the field, not just in practice, not just guys kind of hitting each other a little bit here and there. This was this is real deal, tackling to the ground kind of football. And we, we said this Vikings team, they got a lot of good players. They got a lot of players that can make a lot of plays, and then it showed up in this game from Stefan Diggs making some really nice catches. Uh, obviously, Kirk Cousins looking pretty good as a quarterback, got some run run game 
defensive wise, they have some some playmakers. So let, let's talk about let's start with with something good that the Broncos did. And one thing that I thought really stood out for the Broncos was their offensive line actually looked pretty decent, especially against a very good Vikings defensive line. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that, you know, there was six plays for the first team, so can't really read too much into it, especially with the Broncos missing arguably their best offensive lineman in Ronald Leary. But I don't think the offensive line was that bad because the Vikings defensive front is really darn good. Veldheer kind of gave up close to pressure because Daniel Hunter is a freak and Bulls, I think, gave up close to a pressure as well. I don't know if I would categorize it as an actual pressure. And Max Garcia was falling over his own feet out there like, what's new, but I thought the offensive line did not look that bad. I'm excited to see what they'll look like this week as they play more and go against a team. That's not as talented up front as the Vikings are when they play the bears on Saturday. Yeah. I, especially our backup units. That, that's where in the past the Broncos have, Oh my gosh. It, it's like, why even have them out there? Just take them off the field because they were that bad. Guys were just getting through them like Swiss cheese, but this game Paxton Lynch, Chad Kelly both had quite a bit of time. There were some nice holes for the running backs. There was just a lot of good things going on. I, I only saw really with that second unit one big play where I was like, oh, offensive line, that was not good. And that was where they ran kind of a, a counter play, a switch up play against, I think it was Billy Turner. Hmm. And I can't remember who the right tackle was on the play, but Billy Turner is the one that messed up kind of got blocked into our off our right tackle and allowed a sack on Paxton Lynch. That was the one play that Paxton, I was like, that's not your fault. I think that was that Wilkinson. Was, that was the right was tackle. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But Billy Turner really messed up on that play. They, the others, Paxton Lynch had lots of time to throw and it was not good. We'll, we'll get into that more here in a little bit, but Chad Kelly as well. He did the one big sack that he had was more. He panicked and ran backwards. Quarterbacks mm-hmm. do not run backwards. It does not work well. Your offensive tackles are trying to block guys around the edge. They're trying to get them around the arch. And, yeah, Kelly ran right into a sack. Kind of reminded me of Trevor Simeon. I had some some terrible flashbacks. But, no, it was. It was very, very promising. I, I might actually feel pretty good about our offensive line moving forward. It's not it's not a perfect finished product by any means. It's not going to be the best offensive line in football, but I think it could be a very, very competent unit for sure. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be the thing that will tank the season. So that's that's a multiple tiers better than what it's been for the past few seasons. So that's good. And speaking on the other side of the ball, I thought the Broncos defensive front looked pretty good. I mean, there was some questions about you know, giving up big runs early on. Their talks that was miscommunication. Uh, Derek Wolf and Bradley Chubb kind of could have done better on that that big first run by Latavius Murray. But I mean, once that second team unit got in there, they were starting to get up to the quarterback. Demarcus Walker flashed some. I mean, if he doesn't win off the snap, not, he's not really going to be making it. Um, I thought Gotsis could have played a little better as a pass rusher, and sometimes he got pushed down the line. But man, the defensive line was good, and I was impressed. You know, Shelby Harris standing out, and I'm excited for Clinton McDonald to get back there. So and the and the edge rushers. I mean, the Broncos are really deep at edge. Rush played well. Holland played well. Barrett played well. Um, Ray got some pressure, although he struggled in run support. What's new? And I thought Chubb had some flashes as well. I mean, he had that really good uh, goal line stop in run defense. So I thought that defensive front for the Broncos it looks it looks pretty formidable. I think it's going to like we talked about on here. I think it's going to be one of the cores of this team this season. One name that I don't think got enough attention for what he did on that that defensive line was actually Kyle Pecko. 
he had about three or four stops for for negative plays in the run game and got a little bit of pressure in the pass game. I was actually a little surprised. I kept I had to look up who number ninety was because I was like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? He keeps getting through. Yeah, so, I remember he had a big play on like a third down stop. Right. Yeah. And he had a couple others that really stood out where he was one of the first guys through. If he didn't make the play, he at least made the running back have to change direction. And that's that's almost as important as making the play itself. So, again, they're going to have some tough decisions of who they're going to keep in this group. But then you get past that, the pass rushers and the the defensive linemen, and it gets that linebacker and cornerback depth. I don't think we saw anything that should give the Broncos a whole lot of promise, I guess I would say. Not a lot of hope as far as after the top three at linebacker. Josie Jewell had some up and down. I feel like he's getting more hype for his play than he should. He made some splash plays, but he also, I mean, if you saw on my Twitter, he got blocked out a few times to the turf, and sometimes he vacated his own. I think he was cheating due to his uh, limited athleticism and coverage. So he had a little bit of up and down. He also was one that got washed out on that screenplay where Rock Thomas, you know, took it 80 yards. Granted, the entire defensive line took line and sinker on that screenplay as well. So he's not totally at fault for that. But and uh, Zaire Anderson, gosh, that guy, if the Broncos had any quality of depth at the position, he wouldn't be rosterable. He looks like just a training camp body and they'll probably keep him. But they he's not good. Uh, Jared Garcia Williams, you know, who? He didn't do anything out there. It's just, it's it's not good. And they did bring in AJ Johnson. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But this uh, linebacker group is uh, is not great. And then you know Todd Davis was out. That's obviously a big loss. He's a good run stuffer. He struggles in pass protection, but you know who doesn't know that? That's a Bronco fan by this point. And Brandon Marshall struggled as well. I mean, he's I feel like he bit a couple times on some misdirection, and he also had one of Latavius Murray's big runs. He had a missed tackle. And just wasn't really getting to that spot. So that's something to monitor. We'll see more on that going forward. But linebacker spot, that uh, that you know left me wanting. Especially Zaire Anderson out there with the first team. He was he was not good. Well, and I, I think back to even what showed up in the stat line of his big interception. That wasn't actually a great play by him. That was just a really bad throw by the quarterback and tipped off the, the tight end's hands. Right place, right time. Right, exactly. I mean, it just kind of fell right into his hands. He was about two or three yards behind the the tight end. It should have been a big play for the offense, but Trevor Simeon made a bad throw, which what's new. And yeah, he just happened to be in the right place. So even there, I was kind of going, I know they're going to celebrate that, and I know it's going to look good on the stat line, but I just thought that wasn't a great play other than him just catching a football. So uh, yeah, it was. It was very concerning. Cornerback depth. Oh, man. Isaac Yadam, like he was in position a lot. He just never turned around to see the ball coming. They picked on him all game long. And again, it's nice to see that he's in position, but he's going to have to learn very quickly if he's going to be an impact player in the right way this year, that he's going to have to get his head turned around. He's going to have to work on his timing with some of that. But it was promising that he was in the right position. Langley made a couple nice, really, really nice tackles, but I didn't really see much that gave me promise in coverage. And the other guys, it was just kind of, they're just out there. I, I don't know. There wasn't anything very promising. The safety group, I will say, I, I got to give them props. Uh, I thought Will Parks, one of the best players on the field this last game. He was flying all over the field, both in run game, pass game, was was a very, very good player. Uh, Darian Stewart, I thought he looked probably the best I've seen him. Last year was not a great year for him. 
but he was coming down and run support, making some great plays. And so again, safety depth, that could actually look really good, but it's just still the defense is going to have some holes this year. Yeah. It's, I would love them. You know, they're bringing in AJ Johnson, Schmarco Thomas, but they're still, um, gosh, who's Breland out there. Good press corner. He did have, I think he had an infection in his foot. So he was signed by the Panthers and then he failed his physical, but if he's out there, he's a good fit. And I would look into him and the depth at cornerback. I mean, I feel bad for Isaac Yadam. You know, he, I don't think he actually played that bad, but he's a late third round pick rookie and he was picked on. So <laughs> what can you do? And I do not have much faith in Tremaine Brock. So those linebacking linebacker and cornerback depth is concerning. Um, the next takeaway is uh, Paxton Lynch is not good at football. <laughs> and I've been telling you this for a bit, Carl, but I think it's finally time to actually you know, put the nail in the coffin, at least in, as far as his time in Denver, you know, gosh, I'm not going to totally write off the guy, but I bet a good chunk of money that he's never going to be a viable starting quarterback, not only for the Broncos. That's obviously that's set in stone now, I would say, but for, for anybody in the NFL, he's uh, he looks worse than he ever has no confidence watching him throw his feet are not connected with his arm at all. You know, it's just always just kind of awkward. He's a tuck and run quarterback and it's just, it's, I know it contractually doesn't totally make sense to move on from him because the guaranteed money you're gonna have something cost next year, but it feels like he's a dark cloud on this team, and it would be best for everybody if the team just moved on from him. That's my opinion, at least. I'm I'm there now. As hard as that is to admit, I I, I fully even if he would turn it around, I'd say I still owe you a beer because it's just that that point. Yeah. Nothing that he did on the field showed anything of promise in this last game. Like you said, his footwork was terrible. He didn't trust his eyes one bit with what he was seeing. Threw into that. I mean, the, his very first pass intercepted. And it was a actually accurate pass, but it was into double coverage. It, it wasn't a great decision, even if it was an accurate pass. There, there's still You still got to separate those two things. Then after that, he wasn't accurate at all. He was late on some throws. He had others where guys were wide open. And he again, he just didn't trust his eyes to, to make the throw. That second team offense, they should have actually been able to do a few things, but Paxson held them back. And the fact that he can't beat second team defenses just shows he can't be expected to do anything for this team. I mean, you don't want him to be your backup. Yeah. And then Chad Kelly. He had some really good moments. I, I got to give him that. But I also think some people got a little too excited with what he did on the field. I thought he had great protection that gave him lots of time to make some decisions. And I thought he made some bad decisions along the way. Obviously, he had the big interception when the game was getting really close. That really kind of put the game away. Uh, he had another one that should have been a pick six that was dropped. And so, I mean, that, that's two really bad decisions against third team defenses where a lot of times wide receivers are kind of running wide open, but I also don't want to take away. He made some, some great decisions, some great throws. His decisions when he did take off running were for really, really big plays. Uh, third down and five was one of them. I remember that it was just wide, just wide open space, take off. That's one time I'm like, yep, that's, that's a great decision right there. Uh, but again, I, I want to see him against the backups He's going to get his opportunity this week and and uh, see if he can actually show the team that he could be trusted if he needed to come in at some point this this year. I honestly, right now though, I still expect them to go and get a veteran backup at some point. 
I agree with you there. I think they should get a veteran backup, but also I think if Chad keeps showing out, I hope they keep three quarterbacks on the roster and keep Chad Kelly. Oh, because, I'm completely there with you. I, yeah. I think he showed enough promise that one, you can't let him hit the the open market. Somebody will swoop him up. Yeah, and two, I, I do think I think he's worth keeping around because I think he could at least become backup quality of a yeah. guy that can come in and and win you a couple games if you really need him to. And being Mister Relevant in the draft and on a really cheap contract, if the, he becomes a viable quarterback, not even this year, but next year. That's I would say that's a A on the pick. I mean, how many Mr. Relevance go on to actually make the roster, let alone be a position? I mean, look how much teams are paying backup quarterbacks like Chase Daniel and you know Mike Glennon and everything like that. You know, if he can be a viable backup as Mr. Relevant, that's that's a home run pick. Maybe not a home run. That's a triple though. That's that's a good pick. <laughs> so we'll see. I, yeah. I definitely have some complaints with his play as well. Granted, it's first live action in what is it, two years, but you know, he's he's there was a one run, his first run where he escaped the pocket. He did a good job and he got down and was like, oh, good job, Kelly. Protect yourself. You're coming off those injuries. You've had injuries your whole career. And the next one, I see him leave his feet and get like oh popped while the other guys <laughs> dragging him down. I'm like, oh, my God, please stop. Yep. One guy me. goes low, one guy goes high. Oh, yep. my gosh. Yeah. Jeez, please that, don't. That not, not pretty at all. No. Just protect yourself, man. I know it's fun to be a – you want to pull your John away, but this isn't Super Bowl. You know, you're not 38 years old going for it all at the very end. You're trying to make a team right now. So you got to you got to protect yourself. Right. So I, I really love the way the ball comes out of his hand. And I'm excited to see how he does with two. But I feel like people are already crowning him. Let's let I'm not even to the point where I'm going to say he's a viable backup yet. So we'll see how he does against the twos against like better coverage, better team going against, you know, more complex game planning. That touchdown pass that he had or the, the one to gosh, I want to say it was lacrosse. The first one. It yep. could not have been a bigger window. Gosh, I don't even see that big of windows in high school football. Busted <laughs> coverage. So it was, yep. It, it, yeah, he was, was exciting. Say, he was fun, but there's things to pump the brakes on. Right. I, I would say, I think it was another throw to lacrosse later. That was a much, much better throw where it was a window throw and had to have perfect timing, perfect, you know, velocity, all that kind of stuff to make that play. And I was like, that's, that's the kind of throw. If he can do that more consistently, I'm going to start believing in Chad Kelly to at least be a guy that should make it should make this roster. Yeah. That touchdown throw. I mean, it's great, but it's, it's again, a lot of times in preseason, you're going to see guys who get some great stats, but that doesn't mean that they're making great plays. Uh, last year, I remember D'Angelo Henderson, he made a lot of great runs, but I think the team showed exactly how they felt and and not playing him during the season. Now that was, I, I don't think that was the right decision, but especially later in the year. But I think there was something going on where they're like, we can't quite trust you to be on the field. We, we can't trust you in either pass protection or, or something was going on there where they, uh, they, they always do that. I remember, was it Capri Bibbs mm. where he would go out there and run for, for huge yards during preseason. And then the team wouldn't keep him or they'd put him on practice squad. And people are like, why isn't he making the 53 man roster? He's out running the, the starters. Well, because he couldn't block. He couldn't pass block. The team couldn't trust him. So again, there, there's still some things that have to be figured out and he's going to have a few more opportunities. And so far, first opportunity, like you said, he hasn't played in over 600 days of, of time. So for him to go out there and, and look competent compared to a guy that's been doing this now for three years in Paxton Lynch, that, that's at least some kind of promise for sure. Got to give it to, to Kelly. Uh, but I, I would say Paxton lost it as much as Kelly won it. Well, yeah, 
Yeah, that's for sure. But on to our, our actual starter, Case Keenum. I know a lot of people were kind of freaking out about, oh, my gosh, the first team offense did nothing. They had six plays. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's keep that keep that in mind here. It, it was not anything – they, they weren't going to go out there and just – I don't know. I guess I guess the Vikings' first team offense, they look pretty good at times. But, but again, it's they're going to take some time to get into a rhythm. It, it's going to take a little time for everybody just to – to calm down a little bit. I think Keenan was a little pumped up. I think everybody else is a little pumped up. He looks a little flustered things... in the pocket, actually. I was surprised because yeah, he's supposed bit. to be Mr. Calm, Cool, and Collected in the pocket, and he looked a little clammy. Yeah. There was some of that for sure. But, uh, no, I if this is still happening in preseason week three, yeah, I'm going to start getting a little bit more nervous about where this offense is going to be for the rest of the season. But right now, I'm sorry. Two drives, six plays. Nothing to see here so far. Yep. Can't disagree. And finally, something that I feel like not enough people are talking about, but the special teams, it looked like it was trending towards at least somewhat special, not a total disappointment like it's been the past few seasons. I thought King could have played a little bit better. You know, he didn't have a great game, but it was fun to get him out there um, at seven punts, only one of the 20, but I'm expecting that'll get better and better. And I thought the return, the uh, coverage units and the return units all looked pretty good. Brendan Langley, while he struggled out there in coverage, he was a guy who flashed multiple times, whether it be a block or a tackle in those coverage units. And then Isaiah McKenzie had that big play. So I think special teams looks like it's trending the the right direction. And that is big because I don't think this Broncos offense is going to be a top half of the league kind of offense and the defense needs some help. And how do you do that? That third phase, you know, give yourself better field position and make sure the the opponent doesn't have good field position. And that happens with punts and kickoff uh, coverage. So hopefully that'll so, be a, a good trend for them. So quick question with the special teams. I have heard it announced and and maybe you've heard differently, but there there's some that believe that Philip Lindsay and Isaiah McKenzie are in a battle for a roster spot, hmm. but they're only going to keep one of those two guys. Do you agree with that? Or do you think there's room for for both of these guys to be on this roster? I think there's room for both of them to be on the roster. I feel like it's Isaiah McKenzie versus uh, River Craycraft more than Philip Lindsay versus him. I think they're, they're going to keep Philip Lindsay at this point, unless he. Get, I mean, obviously injuries can happen, but I think Philip Lindsay is carving himself out a role on this team, and I don't see those two going at it right now. Right. No, I, I'm with you. I, I just had heard somebody say that on on national news that those two are in a competition for a roster spot. And I'm going, no, they're, they're both big time playmakers. You don't let either of those guys get off the roster at this point, at least what they showed in preseason game one. Yeah. They both had touchdowns, both had big plays, both made people miss, both showed explosiveness, something the Broncos haven't had for the last about three years. You can't get rid of those kind of players. They, they need both of them. And I don't think either of them would make it onto the practice squad. And, and so again, the, I, very much think both those guys right now, if they if they had to make the 53-man roster, I think both those guys would be on it right now. Yeah, can't disagree. Well, talking about some guys being high high in our eyes after a good game, we're going to do our standouts here, three each for three each of us. And Carl, you told me before we started recording this that I, I do the outlines, you know, a lot of the, the guts of this, and then Carl will do the write-up, and I'll do some of the editing but I had the the write up before him, you know, had my three in there, and I had him, you know, three slots so he could put in his own guys. And the exact three guys that I put are the three that you wanted. So I guess that's just the benefit of being the person who 
kind of out organizes the the content of the show. Yeah, it just I mean, I, I guess the three that you picked, it's hard not to notice those three flashing. Yeah. I, I mean, do you, do you just want to go ahead and say them and then we can talk about them? Sure. Yeah. My three were Shelby Harris, Will Parks and Cyrus Kuanjo. And I thought all three had a pretty good game. Honorable mention to Rush, the outside linebacker, had a sack as well, and Jeff Holland. Um, both those guys looked good, but they just they just missed my cut. So Shelby Harris, Will Parks, and Cyrus Kuanjo. Shelby Harris was probably our most impactful interior pass pressure. I love that he can play that three technique spot. Didn't I don't really remember seeing him as a five technique out there as much, but I love that he can play that three technique spot and then kick in and be that one technique in pass rush situations. And he's strong, man. He's got good get off and he's strong. There was one play where I highlighted that Josie Julie, you know, shot the gap and made a play behind the backfield, but Shelby Harris absolutely disposed of the poor center that snapped the ball there. And he was getting in the backfield all game long. Will Parks, he was the guy that honestly I had been writing off because, you know, they have Sua Cravens, Jamal Carter is a younger guy, and Parks was a, a d- disappointment last year. You know, he's probably one of the more let-down guys as far as giving up touchdowns and stuff, and he looked good out there. He was making plays. He was all around the ball. He looked faster. He looked smarter. He just looked like he was out there, you know, not overthinking. So the huge step up. He's honestly a guy that stepped up a lot in that game. You know, we'll see if that continues, but really thought he had a good game. And then Cyrus Cuanjo, I know everybody's been freaking out about the Broncos backup tackles because tackles been an issue for a while and Veld here has had injury issues last year and Cyrus came in and I thought he looked pretty darn good. He'd had some good plays at Buffalo at left tackle. He struggled at right tackle, but he played pretty well at left tackle when he played for the bills and he was a high second round pick. And I thought he did. I don't know. He looked viable out there. So I think I would love to see him get some reps at right tackle to prove that he can be a true swing tackle, even though I know he struggled there in the past, you know, I'd, let's see if he's improved there at all. But I thought he looked pretty good and made me feel much better about the prospects of if Bulls or Veldier went down, then the Broncos would have a much better option to be plugged in and play if, you know, the unthinkable happens and a tackle goes down. I, I just was so amazed at how well he was at getting to the spot before a defender. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember a play where I was like, oh, man, he looks really out of position or his body's contorted or anything like that. He just looked... Looks smooth, really, yeah. really smooth out there. Very calm, just knowing what he's doing. I, I just, I don't know. I, I was, I was very, very impressed with him. Shelby Harris. It seemed like every play that that guy was in, he was making a play or helping somebody else make a play. One of the two. I mean, it just, I think this guy could be one of the the sneaky players of the year for the Broncos. I mean, obviously, some other guys like Vaughn Miller and Chris Harris, and they're going to get a lot more attention. But, but I think Shelby Harris could really be that that difference maker. And in some ways, I know, like you said, he doesn't really play five tech. But I'm sitting here going, man, I honestly would rather have this guy playing than than Gotsis right now, because I saw him take on some double teams and do well holding up in the trenches. I saw him shoot gaps like crazy. I don't know. It just seemed like this guy, he's he's ready to really burst onto the scene in the NFL this year. He he kind of did a little bit last year, but I think he's really going to become a, a national name this year for the Broncos if he can stay healthy. And Will Parks, yeah, like I said, we'd kind of written him off a little bit. We talked on here where he could be a possible roster cut. And preseason game one, he is definitely on this roster, especially with Jamal Carter going down. Yeah, And I, that's unfortunate because I know – there's a lot of talk that he was having a really good camp 
and really kind of catching the eye of people, especially maybe playing that dime backer for the Broncos. But Will Parks, man, he stepped up and, and showed that he's not ready to, to leave this Broncos team. But I'll, I'll give you my, my three since you took my three. I'll add these three. I thought Zach Kerr played really well. He made a few plays where he actually uh, got into the backfield, was very, very impressed. Royce Freeman, got to give it to the guy. I know he didn't, he didn't make as many plays as, as maybe he could have. There's maybe a couple little cutback lanes that he could have gone through. But for the most part, the guy looked explosive, found the hole, got upfield and went north-south like he's supposed to do. And I thought the, the one thing that really stood out was his pass protection. It wasn't perfect by any means. I mean, there's a couple of plays where I watched him like he got into position, but then he just got pushed back into the quarterback. But at least he was in position. So I feel like there's there's at least some growth from we were talking, what, a couple of weeks ago about how he completely was terrible at it. Probably one of the best the Broncos had at that point to I thought he actually looked halfway competent doing it. And then, of course, guys, we've already talked about Philip Lindsay and Isaiah McKenzie. Man, the Broncos needed these playmakers. And uh, to see both of them step up and, and make some great plays, Philip Lindsay with his touchdown, I mean, that's, that's a beautiful play. That's a, that's a New England Patriot play with a running back right there. They do that to teams left and right where they get a linebacker on a, on a running back and just have him run kind of this almost out-and-in run play or pass play. And they're just wide open because you, the athleticism of running back compared to a, a linebacker is just the difference is astronomical. And Isaiah McKenzie, I, I will say, watching his punt return, him like standing there for about two or three seconds, just trying to figure out where he's going to go. You're like, oh, no, this is going to end poorly. And then, and then Langley kills that guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's gone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, but that's what he, he offers. He's just. Once he decides where he's going, boom, he's gone. So very, very fun to watch these two go at it on the field. And and I, I'm, I can't wait to see what they can do moving forward. Hopefully Isaiah McKenzie can keep his hands going well. And Philip Lindsay, I think he could be uh, one of those great weapons that you just, you just want to get the ball into their hands as much as possible this year. Absolutely. And now the letdowns. I'll just name my three. You know, we got to keep it moving here, but Max Garcia falling over his own feet. You know, he's, he's somebody that I am ready for the Broncos to move on from. He's still on that cheap rookie contract. You know, if he does make the team, it's because he has starting experience and has can play garden center, but he's just not very good. <laughs> he's struggled heavy feet, you know, just not very good. I thought Shane Ray was a little bit of a letdown because his run defense again was not very good. It had been talked that he's, you know, caught his second wind this season and he's playing like he better than he ever has in camp. And, you know, I see that burst, I see that pass rush, but then when it comes to run defense again, I see him getting blown up. So hopefully now maybe I've heard Shane Ray might be a guy that could be a potential trade. So we will see what happens. And then case Keenum, a little bit of a letdown just because all the hype behind him, you know, everybody's saying that this is going to be the guy, you know, the Broncos finally found the quarterback and then he comes out and goes one for four for five yards. Granted, I'm not, that's, we preached not overreacting, and here we are seemingly overreacting. But those are my three guys, and Case Keenum, I'm hoping for a better performance you know, with more snaps and against a worse defense this upcoming week. Yeah, good list. And, and like you said, keep in mind not to, to overreact because none of these guys got a ton of snaps. 
But uh, Paxton Lynch is is my top one just because, man, I've been the biggest cheerleader for this guy, the one guy that hasn't given up. Oh, he can do something, and then nope. He just it was it was bad. Even the easy throws were were not good, but I'm just I'm just done talking about him. And then Isaac Yidem, uh again, he was in great position, but he just doesn't look like a guy that's quite ready to be that third quarterback. I think he has the huge potential to be that guy, but right now I just don't know if I would want him on the field because I think quarterback sees that and they're just going to go, nope, right there, that's who I'm throwing at right now. And finally, River Kraft. I, I've been hearing a lot of good things coming out of camp that this guy was really making a name for himself and really fighting for a roster spot. And I just thought he made a, a few really terrible decisions for a guy that's fighting for a roster spot, especially on punt returns where he decided just to let it go and cost the team about 20, 30 extra yards. Just, just not making good decisions. And th- those are the, those are the differences between making this roster and not making this roster. So I, I just, at, at this point, present time again try not to overreact to one game but at this present time i would say craft is not on this team maybe a practice squad guy but but definitely not making this team i can't disagree with you either you know paxton lynch by felicia i'm ready to move on from him yeah i feel bad for him because i felt like his coverage was not that bad just you know sometimes he missed a little bit didn't hold the press long enough or kind of leaned one way a little bit too much and then Diggs, who's an amazing route runner you know beats him but I feel like he's he's coming into his own. It was I think it was encouraging. You know, he wasn't out there totally lost. So I don't think he was a letdown for me. That's the only one I won't won't agree with. And River Craycraft, he's fighting for that spot. McKenzie did well, and Craycraft on his punt return, he bobbled the football. So that that all matters. And also he had a pass where he tried to do something, and I think he got tackled immediately. So we'll yeah, see I, what happens there. I guess here, here's the reason that I've got him on there, just because what we have expected from the no-fly zone for the last past few years, and, and this is probably me just putting unrealistic expectations on him, but just a guy that you're just really needing to step up, and he was the guy that was picked on left and right. And and I know, like I said, that, that's just going to happen because of who else is on the field. But I was just hoping maybe one knockdown pass, one where he just really makes that play, and he just just couldn't quite do it. Yeah, He was always so close. He was just inches away. And so I, I do expect that as time goes on, as the season goes on, this guy really improves and, and becomes that third cornerback for us moving forward and maybe even moves into a starting role someday, sometime soon. But, but uh, I, I just I have high expectations for our cornerbacks. We've yeah. seen too much good, I guess, is part of it, that we become unrealistic in our expectations. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I thought – it kind of reminisces tape where he's in there and I think he has pretty good tight coverage, being physical, good run support, et cetera, et cetera. But man, if he just had a little bit more awareness to when that ball was coming in and some ball skills that would take that his game to the next level. Like there was a couple where he was there and if he'd have turned around, I feel like he's long enough. He's smooth enough that he could have made a play on the ball. He just didn't know it was coming. So hopefully that'll improve over time. But now, you know, talking about the secondary, we got some new faces on the Broncos. They just brought in and I, you had one of these guys and I had another and I took Shamarco Thomas because I mean, his name looks like Sharknado. So 
obviously he's a monster. Uh, five foot nine, 205 pounds, strong safety, 27 years old, kind of a dimebacker strong safety. And he's had a lot of injuries so far, kind of that Bob Sanders disease where he's big. He's very athletic. He's not big though. He's tiny and he makes big hits and you know, his body just cannot play as strong and as violent as he likes to play on the field. Um, great athlete. Like I talked about, he had a four, four, two, 40, uh, 40 and a half inch vertical, uh, 113 broad jump and a 1.5 second tenure split 20 inch bench trips, which were all in the 90th percentile or above at the combine. So good athlete. And he can come down and make some big plays, uh, missile type of player, which sometimes can get him in trouble too. He's actually the first player to be objected with that new helmet to helmet rule. I think that's, they say that that's not one of the reasons the Colts released him, but it, it might be one of the reasons the Colts released him, but he lacks awareness. Again, we talking about Yadam there. He really lacks awareness about ball skills you know anytime the ball's coming then that's an issue you know i think in college he played like 40 games but he only had like two or three pass breakups his entire time there so he's more of a a linebacker and he's going to come in and play i don't think he's going to be obviously as good as jamal carter was showing but very high potential as a special teams gunner and everything like that and also he's got some interesting background Uh, he lost both his parents when he was a sophomore in college and had to help raise uh six or five siblings five of his siblings as the oldest in the family. So interesting guy, good athlete, good hitter should show out at special teams, but I feel like he's probably more of a camp body. He's been on a few teams now and hasn't had very much production uh, since being drafted in the fourth round by the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, for what's left on the market, he's at yeah. least the guy that's worth taking a chance on. And that brings us to my guy, AJ Johnson. That's a name that a lot of people haven't heard for a long time. And he's been almost Almost four years out of football. That's crazy. (laughs) But this was a guy who played for Tennessee as a linebacker, was accused of rape during his senior season, and ended up getting kicked off the team because they didn't feel comfortable having that kind of thing on or person on on their team. Went through all the court process, took forever, obviously. I mean, we're we're seeing it right now with Adam Gatsas. It's not a quick process, and no team really wants to associate it with 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 that kind of thing. I mean, we saw it with, uh, uh, what was that offensive tackles name? That's with the Cowboys now. Lyle Collins. Yes. Where there was, he wasn't even accused of murder. He was just questioned about a murder and no team would draft him. And he was a first round talent. So, but he just got acquitted. And so now he's cleared and a lot of teams really wanted this guy, but the Broncos ended up getting him and he's six foot two, 243 pounds. And, and this guy, I mean, he won a lot, a lot of awards while he was at Tennessee. Uh, considering he was in the SEC, he led them in tackles in 2012, was named first team All-SEC, uh, known for his strength and conditioning, actually had, was given the nickname The Beast. I, I keep thinking our linebacker core right now, they're getting some of the coolest nicknames. They have the Outlaw or the Redbeard, The Beast. Uh, <laughs> they better start living up to these titles, though. That's for sure. Yeah. But but he's a guy, he is, he's very, very strong. He's very long for a, a linebacker. He communicates well with his teammates. He was kind of the, the, the main guy that everybody just looked at when the, the offense got lined up of what they needed to do. Um, he also offers the ability to get after the quarterback because he is long. He's got some, some power to his game. Like I said, he can push. I, I saw one play where they tried to use an offensive tackle and a running back to block him. And he just took both of them and just drove them right back to the quarterback and ended up leading to an interception. So not, not by him, but one of his teammates, but 
But uh, again, that's that's what he offers. I, I guess I wasn't as impressed with his game as as some people out there have been. We have a friend that we know uh, said that some teams were viewing him as maybe a second round pick after his junior year, but he, he just, he does. He has some weaknesses to his game. He's not the greatest change of direction guy. There's a lot of plays where a guy gives him just a little shake and because he can't break down as well as others, he misses the tackle for being long, having long arms. He misses a lot more tackles than I'd like. He struggles also to get off blocks, which again, for being a strong guy, long arms, these are things that I just wouldn't think that he would struggle with. He also got picked on a lot when he was in man coverage. If he didn't, yeah. If he didn't get good contact on the the running back or receiver within that five yard zone, it was, it was over. I I watched uh, one game from his 2013 season. I think he gave up three touchdown passes. And I think it was against Western Kentucky where they just picked on him over and over and over again because he just didn't have that that makeup speed he didn't have the change of direction ability to keep up with the running back and Tennessee liked to play a lot of man coverage and it just didn't work out his in his favor and it also part of that was he also falls for a lot of misdirection plays where they would run a a play action to the left and I, this was one play that I saw they ran play action to the left his responsibility was was the fullback and all of a sudden, here comes the fullback on a wheel route out of the backfield. Easy touchdown. Nobody within 15 yards of him. So there's. I'm just kidding because Chad Kelly's touchdown was a wheel route from the tight end where there was no. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, that was uh, I can't remember. Daughtry was that the quarterback back then? For I think so. For Brandon Daughtry. Yeah, but uh, anyway. There, there's some good and some bad. Uh, he's he's a good pickup at this point. Probably more heading towards practice squad because he's going to take some time. I mean, when you've been out of football for four years, I'm sorry, that's that's a very long time not to to be on the field, and especially to to go from college to NFL in that time. That he's got a long road ahead of him. There's I. I think he can maybe become a, a decent player for the Broncos, maybe a good backup player, maybe even take over for Todd Davis whenever the Broncos decide to move on from Todd Davis. But right now, I, I like I said, I think he's more going to be a, a long-term projection kind of guy for the Broncos. Yeah, you you hit on it. If this would have been like 1980, I feel like he would have found a role as a thumper, but linebackers are getting smaller and faster Every single year, it seems like. I mean, you got guys that Brandon Marshall down to 225. Deion Jones is playing probably about 225, 230. I mean, these guys are getting small because the game is getting more and more quick passing, spread concepts, not that, you know, 22 personnel, your best guys versus my best guys will punch each other in the mouth until it's over. So he's a guy that he's kind of got a niche role. And I watched the only tape of his on YouTube, at least a cut up, is 2012 versus Florida. And I'm watching it and I'm like, man, this guy is undraftable. He is falling over. He's so slow. I mean, he's big, but he's, he's not really getting off blocks and he's making tackles, but I feel like they're always like that cleanup kind of tackle where he's got guys around him kind of doing their thing. So he can, I mean, it's being funneled to him. And then I watched some of his tape, uh, granted only two games in 2014. He looks faster. He has better change of direction. The instincts, the instincts are improved. And I, I was definitely impressed. I think that 2012 tape, granted he was a sophomore, but you know a lot of times those guys, if they're going to be freak linebacker athlete kind of guys, it's, it's obvious pretty early. 
and he looked undraftable his sophomore year. I thought the tape 2014, I had given him a late day two, early day three grade. Probably, I mean, granted, don't don't have the testing numbers and everything to validate that. But I thought, you know, he, he looked like he had a chance to be a developmental guy, especially in a 3-4 where he can be much more of a downhill, you know, come in and fill type of dude. And he's going to have to improve in his ability to get off blocks. His instincts are going to have to improve. But it sounds like he's a guy who's a hard worker. And watching him play, he's a high-energy guy that, you know, he loves to hit and he loves football. I mean, you can just see it watching football. He's celebrating with his teammates. He's busting his chops, you know, every single play. So I'm excited to see him. We'll see what happens. I feel like practice squad would make sense, but the Broncos paid him a lot of money to come in. I think it was like 50 K where Philip Lindsay's, you know, undrafted free agent bonus was just 15. So that that's a big chunk of money. And there was like 10 or 11 other teams that were vying for his services as well. So I'm hoping that we get to see him in preseason because he's an interesting player. And like we talked about earlier, linebacker is something that really needs some help uh, depth wise because the guys that have there right now are just, I'm sorry, they're not cutting it. So if that's one of your favorite players, <laughs> if you're a big Nebraska fan, you love Zaire Anderson. I, I'm sorry, but the, uh, the Hawkeyes are better. Jose Jewel is going to kick him out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we still have a bit to get to here, but before we do, let us tell you about why you need to become a mile high huddle VIP subscriber. Mile High Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news, although we pride ourselves in being able to relay you all the breaking news as it happens in real time. But what we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos from an in-depth perspective. All 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dives on player evaluation, NFL draft, preseason content, everything. We like to offer our best and most in-depth content for our premium members, the VIP subscribers, which is an issue for me because I feel like everything I write falls beyond 1,000 words because I am very thorough and have a lot to say. So that means everything is like Chad's like, Nick, another VIP piece. Well, if you guys want to read my stuff, you've got to be a VIP subscriber, I guess. But to become a Mile High VIP subscriber and get access to 100% of our written analysis and the VIP Insider forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. Click on the monthly or annual option, and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web. We ask you for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger and you have my word, you won't be disappointed. All right, well, Scouts Eye Preview now. The next segment of our show, something that we're going to be doing more and more of is the actual game content comes, and we're going to have to be less with that roster building talk. That's better in the offseason. But the Broncos have another game Saturday. I was hoping it would be earlier than Saturday, you know, but we have to wait a full week, unfortunately. That's okay there because because we get to play the Bears, and that's kind of my market area, so I'm excited for that. And the Bears or will be, unfortunately, also for the Broncos. This will be the Bears' third preseason game, or the Broncos' second. But, you know, what can you do? But it's a it's an interesting team. It's an up-and-coming team. I think that they, if they were in pretty much any other division besides the NFC North or the NFC South, they would have a chance to contend. But with the talent in those divisions, especially at the quarterback play, I feel like they're probably still probably a year or two away. You know, they have to really blow up some talent and hopefully have some of those other teams kind of uh, dissolve. But I think they got a talented roster. It's a pretty young roster and it'll be an interesting matchup for the Broncos. Yeah. There's definitely some matchups in this one that I'm very, very excited to watch. One being again, the, the, we talked about it already, the Broncos offensive line going against a little bit, even weaker bears defensive line compared to what they just faced just to see a little bit more of, of where they truly are. And especially usually what is it? Second preseason game, starting offense and starting defense get about half the game. Is that right? 
Uh, it depends. Normally it's a series count more than an actual half the game thing. So it That's probably true. will be about half the game, but you know, if they've seen enough out there, they can pull them. Right. Okay. Well, I, I, right. So at least get a chance to see them a little bit more, maybe get into a little bit more of a rhythm and hopefully get to see this offensive line really show what they can bring to the run game, pass game, everything. Uh, they, they do have some, some tough matchups at some different spots. Leonard Floyd is a very good pass rusher. Some guy that they're going to have to watch out for. Eddie Goldman is very, very good up the middle. They they don't have Roquan Smith yet. We we, we talked that guy up quite a bit this offseason uh, before the, the draft. The last rookie to, to be signed so far. I, I think that's still crazy that, that that whole process is going on. I don't know what's all behind all that. I won't. I won't speculate too much i do know there's something with they want to be able to take some of his money back if he gets suspended for the helmet to helmet hits something like that yeah but anyway no this will be a decent matchup for some of our guys and but also a good opportunity for them to win and then i I really do the the offense I, i think the broncos offense is stronger than the the bears defense in a lot of places broncos wide receivers against their defensive backs I think our wide receivers should be able to win a lot of those battles. Prince McMora, uh, for those Nebraska fans that are listening, will remember this kid. He, he's pretty good, but he's still, he never quite lived up to the hype, I don't think. And then Kyle Fuller on the other side, very good cornerback, but a guy that can be beaten for sure. And I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm kind of excited to see what our offense can do here. Yeah, I am as well. It should be interesting. I think that the Bears' defense is obviously not as good as the Vikings that they went up against, so hopefully that'll give the Broncos some chance. Uh, Looking specifically at the offensive line, the Bears' defensive line, they do have some good players up there. I think Akeem Hicks is one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the league. He's a good pass rusher. Not always the most out against the run, but he can get up to the quarterback. He can shoot a gap. He'd be a really good player for the Broncos if they could get their hands on him. I saw a tweet earlier today as like, propose a player to player trade between the Broncos and the bears. I'm like, send him Shea Ray, send him a third or fourth round pick and get me Akeem Hicks. Then that would be, that would be big. <laughs> He's a good pass rusher. Good player. Eddie Goldman's pretty good too. He was a second round pick a few years ago. Nose tackle from Florida state, not the best pass rusher, pass rusher, although he does sometimes have good burst, but man, he he can eat up blocks and he can be a tank in the run game. Good nose tackle for that three, four Jonathan Bullard, more of a pass rusher as well. Honestly, if we were, more game planning for the bears. I would run at him because he's not always the best at holding his ground in the run game, but he's a good pass rusher and interesting guy. Uh, Blail Nichols, another one. He's a fifth round pick this year from Delaware state. I want to say he really flashed at the senior bowl. I think if you probably remember him better than I do there. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a pretty good defensive line. They, I feel like the talent at edge is not as good though. People will probably remember Leonard Floyd beating I think it was Menelik Watson last year, like the very first snap of the game in the Broncos Bears game. Leonard Floyd flattened out, and which was crazy for a six foot six dude, and sacked Trevor Simeon. So Leonard Floyd, he was kind of hurt last year, but he's a really good pass rusher. He'll be a good test for both tackles. But after that, I feel like the edge rushers for the pack or for the Bears are very lacking. So I feel like the Broncos offensive line, they, they're going to have to play better. They're going to have to impose their will and move some people on the ground game better than they are. Offensive lines always take a little bit longer, and maybe we'll see Leary playing. That'll be a big boost. But I think the Broncos' offensive line matches up better this week than they did against the the Vikings. 
And then, of course, the Broncos wide receivers match up much better against the Bears defensive backs than the Vikings, because as we talked about last week, as far as cornerback depth and starting two safeties, there's no team that's on the Vikings level, in my opinion. They got crazy talent in that defensive back. They spend first round picks every freaking year on a cornerback, though. So what do you expect? But I'm excited. Hopefully we'll see some more um, plays from Sutton. You know, he's been the camp darling and he doesn't do anything last week. Kind of made me a little sad. I want to see a splash play, you know, give me a highlight. And But the Bears do have two pretty good underrated safeties in Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos. I don't know if you remember, but I was one that was pumping up uh, Eddie Jackson pretty frequently on this podcast saying, you know, third round top or the conditional pick the Broncos had in the third round that, that year in which they took uh, Brendan Langley. I'm like, get Eddie Jackson. He can play free safety. He can play strong safety. Really good returner as well. And what do you know? He's, I think he had two pick sixes for a touchdown last year or a pick six and a punt return for a touchdown, but very good safety for them. Good player. So uh, the cornerbacks, not as good. Definitely not as good as the Vikings. So Broncos offense should be able to move the ball. And I will say if they don't move the ball this week against the Bears, then I'll be starting to reach for that panic button just a little bit. Gets one more minute toward closer to the to the midnight or whatever. What is that? The, the death clock? I don't know, but um, I'm going to be panicking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's not good. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, yeah, it, they should do better and they need to do better. They, they got to get into a little bit of rhythm before the season starts and get a little bit of just confidence. Like you said, Case looked a little bit rattled this last week, and and that's a little frustrating to see when that was supposed to be his his big thing that he brought to the table is a guy that can't be rattled. So I, I'm and I want to see the tight ends get involved too. I do think that that is one of the strengths of the Bears defense is right up the middle there with uh, obviously our old boy Danny Trevathan. I've I've always talked how much I love that guy. Ah, why can't he still be with Denver? But <laughs> anyway. Uh, Roquan Smith won't be out there, obviously, but still, they, they have some guys that can cover a tight end. But I'd still like to see the Broncos try to get some of our tight ends a little bit more involved and see what they can do. And but we'll, we'll just have to see what they can bring to the table. And it, again, it's it's the problem is when you're not playing a full game, it's hard to get everything accomplished that you want to get accomplished. So if they get a few things accomplished, that should be a uh, a good plus for the Broncos. But switching to the other side of the ball here, we then have the Broncos defensive line versus the Bears offensive line. And and this is where, again, the Broncos should have a pretty good matchup for their defensive line. The The Bears, they have, I think, I would say they have a really good interior, but the the ta- tackles, our, our pass rushers should have a, a heyday because they, they have, their starters are not great, their backups are not great. And I'm just very excited to see what they can do. But also I want to see what our interior guys can do against your boy, James Daniels, when you were talking about a trade earlier. And uh, I was like, why isn't he wanting to trade for James Daniels? But I like our centers. <laughs> Jones is pretty good. I think McGovern could play center probably better than guard even. And Paradis is good. So I do That's love true. Daniels, but I like the Broncos depth at center. Okay. Well, then you got Cody Whitehair from my neck of the woods playing. He played for K-State who has done pretty well. He's been a little bit banged up. And then Kyle Long, again, another guy that plays well when he's healthy, but both of them have really struggled to stay healthy. So we'll we'll see how they do uh, of staying on the field or how many snaps they end up getting. But but again, this is a a matchup where the Broncos should should be winners. They should be able to get after the quarterback, and especially young quarterback and Mitch Trubisky. Chase Daniels, not a young quarterback, but – but another guy that they can really get after. Did you watch the video of, of him playing a fan? Yeah, that was really funny. 
Yeah, I thought that was one of the better better videos. Uh, if you get a chance to watch, just just YouTube. Uh, Chase, Chase Daniel Daniels. fan. Yeah, Chase Daniels a fan, and uh, it was it was pretty funny. But yeah, they should be able to get after them. Uh, one thing that they do have for him on their offense is is the running backs. They yes. are are loaded at running back. Tariq Cohen, oh man, explosive player. Jordan Howard, one of the more underrated running backs in the entire league. I uh, this is this is where they're gonna really make or break their season is whether they can really keep that running game going. And that's gonna be a big matchup for the Broncos as well because the linebackers. Obviously, we talked about it. They've struggled. Hopefully, Todd Davis will be back. We're not sure about Von Miller yet. But coming off a week where they gave up a few big runs to Latavius Murray and not a great offensive line, defense is going to be hearing about it on the radio. I mean, listening to this podcast, obviously, hearing about us talk about the run defense being disappointing. And the Bears, Bears do not have a great offensive line either, but I think it's better than the Vikings is, at least right now. And I would say the running back talent, you know, Dalvin Cook didn't play, is better on the Bears as well. So it's a tougher test for the Broncos. They're going to have to step up in that run defense, and the linebackers are going to have to step up as well. And still sticking on the Broncos linebackers, Bears have some interesting tight ends. You know, they have Charles Sims. He's not really that well-known, but he can make some plays for them. Not a great player, but oh, Deion Sims, not Charles Sims. Charles Sims is a running back, Deion Sims. And Trey Burton, uh, he was a kind of a H-back tight end, played at Florida, and was – the second or third tight end for the Eagles. But when Ertz was hurt, he was a very viable weapon for them. And he's a, he's a mismatch weapon. And then the unique, the huge tight end, raw but huge, and Adam Shaheen. So Broncos linebackers, you know, step up to the plate. And I'm not, we'll probably won't see AJ Johnson this week. Who knows though? I mean, who knows? But the Broncos linebackers do have their hands full this week because stopping those running backs and matching up with the tight ends will be interesting. Trubisky likes to go that go those ways as well. Definitely. I, Trey Burton, he can also play quarterback if you remember, right? Yeah. Yep. He is the guy that threw the touchdown in the Super Bowl. And, uh, <laughs> I don't think we'll, we'll see him trying a pass in this game. But no, they, they do. They have some nice weapons. They, they went from kind of like the Broncos of going from very few weapons to quite a few weapons all in one offseason, adding Allen Robinson, if he can be healthy, a very good wide receiver, Anthony Miller, a guy that you and I, we both really liked. We just didn't know if his foot was healthy. That was our, our big question. I've been hearing that he's been destroying people at camp. Taylor Gabriel, uh, he's been a pretty consistent player in the NFL. Kevin White that first round pick that just has not quite lived up to the hype, mostly because he's just been injured. Can't find the field. You know, it's hard to really show anything if you can't be on the field to show it. And then, like I said, with those tight ends, they got running backs that can make plays out of the backfield. So they, they've definitely made a commitment this off season to surround Mitch Trubisky with talent to make his job a lot easier this year. And it's just a matter of, can he actually take advantage of it? And so a lot of good matchups. Cornerbacks are going to have their hands full on this one. Like you said, t- linebackers, safeties. It's going to be it's going to be a good matchup. I, I'm, I'm excited for this. This is kind of a two teams that are trying to trend upwards, and good opportunity to show which which direction they're truly going. Both of them have a lot of young players, so I, I expect some mistakes to be be in the game. I mean that's. Broncos had, like you said, a lot of miscommunications even among the starters last last week, and so I, I don't know. It, it's this is about 
two teams I would say that are pretty even in in talent, mostly just because there's so much talent that's not known. I guess is the main thing I'm trying to get across here. Yeah, a lot of questions. They're just right, but there's just a lot of promise. Like you said, guys like Raquan Smith being added, James Daniels, Anthony Miller, Trey Burton. I mean, there's just a lot of young guys that if they really live up to the hype, could really go from one of the worst teams in the league to one of the better teams in the league in a real hurry. So I, I, I like this Bears roster. I think they got a lot better this offseason than they were last year for sure. And a team that could really... I don't think they'll be playoff bound. Like you said, they're in a very, very tough division, but I think they're going to be one of those teams that really decides the playoff picture. That makes sense. I mean, they have the fourth best quarterback in their division and a first year head coach. So bears next year, the year after that, that's probably when they're looking to compete. They still need to get some edge help as well. So that's, that's big. You need to have pass rushers. And I think the Broncos, I predicted the Broncos went against the Vikings last week. That turned out wrong. Although the Broncos did have the lead in the fourth quarter. They just, you know, that lack of talent at cornerback and linebacker at the end was a huge issue. So I think the Broncos going to end up winning this one. I'm going to go 27 to 23. I, I agree. I think the Broncos will end up winning this one and I will go, I'll go 30, 30 to 24. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm excited. It's going to be here soon enough. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you head over to mile high huddle, a new affiliate of 24 seven sports and the CBS sports digital network to find ours and our co-writers articles, not just related to free season, but all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos head on over to iTunes and leave us a five star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives each and every week. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis on the Broncos from team building, game planning, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow Building the Broncos podcast and all our great other audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Huddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.